Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to episode 9 of Hobby of a Lifestyle. This week, I'm joined by current UFC star Gillian Savage-Robertson. Not only is she a submission record holder, but she's probably one of the happiest and most energetic people I've had the pleasure to chat with. So, let's find out more about her journey to the pinnacle of her sport. So, good afternoon, Gillian. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, just trying to get through the end of this quarantine. And uh, hopefully, actually, I got maybe fight news today so I'm waiting for contracts and everything so hopefully I'll have some news soon <laughs> oh, amazing okay so you hope we got a fight coming up oh yeah uh I got the opponent name and the date and uh she hasn't said yes yet so we're just waiting for that <laughs> okay so no names can be mentioned at the moment no all right that's fantastic so Gillian thank you very much for agreeing to come on hobby of a lifestyle today it's, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show and and learn about your journey people that I don't know our listeners. I'm speaking with Gillian Robertson, the savage, uh, current UFC fighter. Gillian, can you just tell us how old were you when you started doing martial arts? I started training when I was about uh, 16 years old. And uh, I really, I can't tell you why I walked into the gym in the first place. <laughs> like, I really don't know. Oh, like, I have no idea what it was in me that drove me there. It wasn't like I watched a cool kickboxing movie or I saw, yeah. like, I didn't know what the UFC was. I couldn't tell you the difference between the UFC and WWE at that time. I had <laughs> no idea what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. And uh, I just ended up walking to into like a cardio kickboxing class at, uh, it was at Dean Thomas's gym in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Okay. So I guess it was just, uh, it was just chance that I walked into the right place, you know, Dean's still my coach to this day. So wow. obviously, yeah. Um, he took me under his wing from that point and I, yeah, I just fell into it. That's amazing. So you're saying you were 16 when, what were you doing before you were 16? Was there other hobbies that you were involved with? Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I'm not still not necessarily the most athletic person and I never was as a kid. Okay. So, yeah, I never was really into sports. I know my parents put me in soccer a couple of times and I, I just quit that after a couple of months because I just didn't, I, I just wasn't good at it. Um, but my parents, they always thought it was good for us to have an extracurricular activity. So I chose uh, volunteering with animals. So uh -huh. I ended up volunteering with the Humane Society, with a horse rescue and with a wildlife rescue. And uh, when I was younger, like when I, I think it was like 10, I won two national awards for my work with animals. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> But yeah. then moving into martial arts is such a 360, going from animals to, to doing a, a cardio kickboxing class now to fight in the UFC. That's oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So 16-year-old, you've started a cardio kickboxing session. What was the next progression from that? Because I'm assuming uh, cardio kickboxing was just a, a fitness session where they incorporated kickboxing techniques. Yeah, it was exactly that. And it was me in the class with a bunch of, like, moms you know it was a bunch of like soccer moms and it was just uh like I didn't I didn't really know what I was getting into going in there and then there was a kid who he went to my high school and he was a wrestler there so he started coming to Dean's gym just to learn a little bit more of MMA and he was like why don't you try the MMA class so I thought like all right I'll have a partner why not and I just tried it one day and I fell in love 
So it was literally the first day you tried it, you fell in love with it. Well, uh, I guess I, I'm not really sure at what point where it was just like in my head that I just, this is what, like, this is my passion. This is yeah. what I love more than anything. And it wasn't until like a year and a half later, I started jujitsu. And that's when I really like just became immersed in it because jujitsu just came so naturally to me. And I felt like I just grew so fast in it. Wow. You've... You've started a little bit later in martial arts, I suppose, compared to what some people that were getting, because I, myself, I was about five or six years old, and a lot of my friends were the same age. So you've come in, not too, too old, because you're still only in your late teens, but you came in that a little bit late. At what point did, yes, you're loving the sport, but at what point did your coach go, actually, Julian, you've got a real talent for this? Or do you want to pursue this as, as a hobby or start competing? I guess Dean always had, saw that in me. He just knew that I had the work ethic there and he was willing to put the time into me. So it was like, with that combination, he knew that I would be able to go places. And then I remember when I was, uh, like I had 11 amateur fights and when I was a high level amateur, uh, he would take me down to Coconut Creek and I'd get to work with girls like Tisha Torres and Alex Chambers and Jessica Aguilar, all girls who uh, we're at the top of the division at that yeah. time. They just opened the 115 division in the UFC. And I was getting to work with these girls and I was hanging, you know, I was at their level at that yeah. point where I was wow. able to uh, hang with them in the gym, oh, especially on the ground. It's like jujitsu is always my world. So yeah, yeah. I felt like I was able to do well with these girls on the ground, especially. So I was like, there's no reason I can't get to the highest level in the sport. No, certainly not. So you're saying you, you, you didn't, did you go straight into the amateur MMA fighting? rather than going down to any sort of kickboxing route as well? Was it just literally straight into the amateur MMA? Forget about trying some different disciplines. You know, I'm not going to do a jiu-jitsu competition. I'm not going to do a kickboxing competition. I'm just going straight into that. Oh, uh, yeah. M MMA was the first time I ever competed really in anything. And uh, I was 18 years old when I had my first MMA fight. Uh, in Florida, you have to be 18 before you're allowed yeah. to fight. And uh, so I was 18 years old then, and then I turned 20, I believe. I I, I turned pro when I turned 20. Wow. Uh, but I had a few jujitsu competitions in between there, but it was mostly just MMA bouts. Most people remember the first fight. What was it like? <laughs> I didn't remember a thing that happened when I walked out of there. Like it was uh, nine minutes, so three three-minute rounds, and I just 100% adrenaline rush like I don't remember a single thing I just I was like that was so much fun and it was just I was so hyped up that night and then that night we actually I was with my parents and we went out to dinner after and we ended up going to the bar that the girl that I fought worked at right really wow <laughs> yeah so we're like oh no they're gonna spit in our food or something <laughs> yeah yeah just yeah I'll just just have a soft drink I'm okay don't give me any food so you've done the, you've done this first fight. You're, you're living off the adrenaline in the moment. Was that a magic moment for you? Was that a point where you just thought, "Wow, this is definitely something that I need to keep doing and I want to progress in"? I feel like every time that's that moment for me. Like, really? When you get your hand raised, there's no way to describe that, and it just you fall in love with the sport so much every single time, just feeling that gratification. And or if you don't get it, it just it drives you so much. So every single time I'm in there and I'm. Uh, fights over it's like that's that's the time where i'm like i'm just i i want to do it again <laughs> well, it's funny you see i seen one of your interviews and they asked about someone giving you a about a, competing against another opponent and you were like i don't i don't want any time off i'm already at the phone i'm already waiting for the phone and i genuinely get that from you when you talk and it is just you you love being in the game you love being in the competition and love being in the ring competing 
Oh yeah, and especially like you said, I didn't start till I was a little bit older. So I feel like I want to get all that competition experience that I can get. So yeah. I try to do uh, as many jujitsu matches as I can when I don't have a fight coming up, which uh, August 30th, I'm going to be doing submission underground too. Fantastic. So uh, that'll be on UFC Fight Pass. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to stay as active as possible, get comfortable competing. No, it's absolutely amazing. So you did your amateur fights and then all of a sudden the progression to, to the professional ranks comes along. What was it like going from amateur to professional? Um, it's I guess, uh, essentially the, the same thing. You can move around a little bit better because you don't have shin guards on. Yeah. That's the biggest difference. You can throw some elbows too. I've never uh, taken any bad elbows, but uh, for my ground and pound, that makes a huge difference, I feel like. Uh, you don't you don't have to create as much distance you know when you're throwing a strike you have to sit back to really get some power there but to throw an elbow you can make them short and uh, really do some damage and cut someone was there a mindset change did you have to have a mindset change because did training have to change now you know it was becoming a profession this was now your job and it wasn't just something that you were doing maybe as a hobby on, on a, as a sideline as soon as that professional contract came in was there was there a mind shift change uh, I feel like I was lucky enough with my career that because I was young, I had so much of my parents' support. So it always was a job for me. There wasn't any point. Like I had some side jobs. I worked at the Humane Society for a little while and I worked at Chili's uh, serving there for a little while. But uh, no matter what, my parents supported me enough where that didn't have, I didn't have to make that my main focus. They allowed fighting to be my main focus constantly. So it was always a job for me. That's amazing. So how do your parents feel that their daughter's a professional competitor? They're, they're very proud of me now but it was definitely rough in the beginning you know watching your little girl get punched in the face isn't yeah. exactly something every dad wants to see yeah I, yeah my, my I met my wife through kickboxing so I, I totally understand that you'd see her, <laughs> her dad was at the front but you'd see her mom right up in the bleachers hiding away not wanting to watch too much kind of looking through closed fingers um, I was just about to say that was my mom every single yeah, fight yeah. of my first few <laughs> And is she now front row watching you every fight? Or she's oh, yeah. still? No, she's a lot better. She's a, uh, She prefers to watch jujitsu more than when they're striking. She doesn't see that as as bad. But I'm like, I can get my arm broken or like get choked out in that situation. Like, how is it not as bad? It just doesn't, yeah. there's not as much violence with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can see where she's coming. I've got three little girls, so I, I, I get where she's coming from. I don't think I'd, well, no, I would be happy, but... Yeah, I, I definitely understand where she's coming from on that point of view. So you're talking, you know, your amateur profession, there wasn't a massive shift in the, the way you approached it. Was there a shift in the way you trained? And especially now you're in UFC, is there been a shift in the way you train? Or is it a lot more focused? Is it, I suppose, is it more professional? Uh I've on honestly, I feel like I've just made that change recently okay. after my last loss to Macy, where I felt like I was keeping kind of the same thing for so long. And uh, actually, one of the girls she just fought the other night, Molly McCann. I fought her before too, and uh, she told she told me after that loss to Macy, she was like, "You don't know the formulas broke. Uh, like you keep on using the th same thing until someone breaks the formula. Yeah, you know, course. you don't know it's broken until someone breaks it." So uh, with after that loss to Macy, I feel like me and Dean have really changed our approach to the game and uh, we've really focused on me more and me technically. And uh, I just keep on seeing myself improve more and more now that we are taking this more professional approach. No, that's fantastic. I, you know, I've spoken to a few other people 
around around sport and where was the the magic moment or where was the the change and shifting process and sometimes it has just come from a loss and having to analyze you know yes i've been doing the same thing and this time it hasn't worked what do i need to change so and, and almost reinventing your game a little bit to to change it up so an opponent doesn't know what you're going to do the next thing so it's really good to hear what does a day in the life of Gillian robertson look like <laughs> Uh, not too much. Usually uh, waking up, going to the dog park with my dog, Robin. Uh, he's my 12-year-old pit bull, my best friend. I usually train in the morning and train again at night. This this is my life. So it's like, I'm. this is all that I'm focused on Just at the living moment. the dream. Live, how many hours will you train on the morning? How many hours will you train in the nighttime? Uh, generally like an hour and a half, two hours each time. Okay. And what's, what does that kind of look like? Is it sort of cardio and weights on the morning and then technique and grappling or sparring on the evening what, what does it look like uh not as much cardio weights but a lot of technique and a lot of uh like grappling and sparring it depends really every single day that I come in Dean he just has a schedule for me and he has what we're going to work on and uh right now we have a unique training situation where it's literally uh Dean just rented out a house and he's keeping fighters there and wow. uh, we matted out the garage so uh, it's like we're getting one-on-one -on -one attention from a high-level coach every single day. So it's just, it's really unique and it's really special. So ha I suppose in some ways has the, the whole COVID-19 pandemic benefited your training because of that? Oh, 100%. And uh, it was just, uh, I feel like Dean is, he's the reason that I am the fighter that I am today. And when like he left ATT recently through this pandemic, and whenever he was just so spread thin over there that I didn't get enough time from him. So I didn't see myself really improving at the rate that I wanted to. Right. And now I'm getting so much of his time that it, it's just made such a huge difference. Does that benefit you now? So I, I know you said you've been with Dean for, for the longevity of your career. Does it make a benefit now in the professional ranks that you get that more central time and then he's actually giving you your program you don't have to think about anything whereas i'm assuming when you were amateur you maybe had to go away and do your own little things here and there or train with other people like friends even if it's just out and about but having dean as a sole full-time trainer is that benefit you not having to think about your own training program oh yeah it's like uh i was working with att for such a long time and i would work with dean like two or three times a week and then just be doing group classes the rest of the week yeah. so I was getting good hard work constantly, but I wasn't necessarily building myself and getting, uh, like somebody wasn't looking at me and breaking me down constantly yeah, like course. he does, where he can tell me, oh, you're moving your foot like this way a little bit, or you're yeah. not hitting with this part of your hand. And it's just the little things that you need that professional eye to watch closely. And uh, so it's definitely benefited me having that uh, Dean there for me. That's perfect. And what was it like when you got the call up to the UFC? Uh, I, I guess I, uh, uh, like I, I got in through the tough house. Yeah. So it was really that procedure, like the auditioning of tough and everything like that. But, uh, they don't necessarily like tell you you're like, oh yeah, you're in. They just send like a video camera to your house and like take some video, like we might be considering you. And then they send you a plane ticket and I'm just like, oh shit, this is happening. It's just it still doesn't feel real to me, honestly. Every time I go to uh, my fights and they give me the Reebok bag and I get my fight kit with my name on it, it's like, it's still an unreal feeling. It's just a dream come true. And do you think that is, it helps you stay motivated and keeps you almost naive to the whole process that you, you just enjoy it and you, and 
you're not taking it for granted because we have spoken with the people where they, they got that call up and it was all of a sudden I've made it. I'm a UFC fighter now. I can maybe take my foot off the gas a little bit. Oh, no, it's definitely not like that. Uh, I feel like I won't be content till I have the belt around my waist. And even at that point, I I didn't want to keep it. You know, I want yeah, to be course. the best martial artist in the world. And uh, I want to be able to represent that. And yeah, there, there, there is, I feel like my love for the sport is what drives me more than anything. And that's what makes me better than everybody else. That I love it more than anybody else. So I'm willing to put in the work and I'm willing to be there on the days that nobody wants to be. So then I'm getting better. No, that's absolutely amazing. And it's just lovely to hear that you haven't took it for granted and you're just enjoying the whole process and you, you love being there and you want to be the, the world champion. The, and UFC is the pinnacle of the MMA sport as well. Yeah, I always said, I was like, any, like, I've left the gym crying some days during fight camps and, you know, you have some rough days training, but any of those days are better than any day I had to walk in and clock in at Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to do that again. No, and it doesn't sound like you're going to be neither, especially on the path that you, you've taken. It's, it sounds fantastic. What's your, you've talked about win, winning the belt, but what is your, what are your aspirations within UFC and, and beyond, I suppose? Um, I just want to leave the legacy. Right now, I have the most submissions in my division for females yes. uh, I, at four, but uh, I would want to set those records for males too. I know Charles Oliveira has, Oliveira has 14. And that's a big wow. record, but it is. I, yeah, I want to uh, be able to set records for everybody, show that the girls are better than the guys. We can keep up with you, you know? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Do you have any aspirations outside of UFC? I guess not at the moment. Right now, it's, uh, that's my primary focus, and that's really all that I think about. And uh, we're just trying to build me as a fighter. We're coming in, like, they say, like, generally, like, 27, 28, you're in the prime of your life. So it's like, I'm coming, I'm coming up to that now. So I want to be a killer when I reach that you know that's amazing and who, who is there anyone you're particularly targeting within the UFC is there anyone who was maybe when you were younger starting the MMA was there anyone who you, was a role model who you aspired to be like or aspired to even beat um I guess well when I was an amateur I was a 115er so I really idolized a lot of the 115 girls and uh, I got to work with Tisha Torres a lot so she was always someone I looked up to just being able to see her training every day and be around her I remember my first time sparring her it was just that was like that was probably worse than my first UFC fight my first time sparring Tisha Torres when I was an amateur was like holy shit Tisha's staying right across the cage from you and um another one of the girls is she just fought last weekend Thug Rose I feel like I've always looked up to her more than anything. Just her style in the cage. She's nasty on the ground, nasty on the feet. You know, she's trying to finish the fight no matter where she is. Yeah. That, no, that's really, really nice to hear that. You, you even admire people who are competing now as well. I think that's fantastic. What piece of advice would you give a young female who wants to follow in your footsteps? Uh, the, just believe in yourself really more than anything else. That A lot of times, like, like not everybody even you, the people who care and love about you they're not, not necessarily going to see your dream the way you see it but if you know you can make it happen then do everything you can to make it happen but it's also not going to happen without some hard work behind it you got to uh, be ready for the opportunity when it comes and, I, and that's I'm so pleased you talked about the hard work as well because it's it's obvious and it's apparent that you work very hard and just continue to work hard to be where you are and stay where you are have, have you had setbacks? Have you had knockbacks where you've just thought, 
Gillian, am I doing the right thing? Um, I don't necessarily feel like, I feel like every time I've ever, uh, like my two biggest knockbacks were both my losses in the UFC, but both of those, I was just, uh, I knew that I was going to come back stronger. I knew that this is still what I'm made for. This is what I love more than anything yeah. else. So uh, it, it just pushed me harder. So do you think that your love and passion for the sport kind of outweighs the the mentality side of it it's it wouldn't matter if you you got beat it wouldn't matter if you won it was just the love for the sport and that desire to be the best in the world is is really your 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 motivation factor yeah that drives me every single day to get out of bed and go train and go do all the things that I don't want to do like sometimes it's not always comfortable it's not always fun but uh the results have to be worth it worth it you know what's what's your favorite part about training what's your favorite thing to do at training uh, my favorite thing is probably just like rolling and just like going to jujitsu. Honestly, I love just going in a gi, playing in jujitsu and just having fun in a gi and rolling around. But uh, probably the most important thing to me is drilling. I feel like it, just that slow drilling, repetitive drilling, and uh, that's what really improves me as a fighter. But it's always not the most fun thing to do. I was, that was my next question. What's, what do you least like doing? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of mental work and it's really draining. And like I said, Dean will keep me there for an hour and a half, two hours every night, just drilling. And it's, I won't even be sweating sometime, you know, hardly breaking a sweat, but you're just doing the same move over and over yeah. and over again until it's just ingrained in your mind. So when you are in a high pressure situation like the cage, you don't even have to think about of it. Of course, yeah, it becomes a habitual movement, doesn't it? Which is why we need to drill and do those sorts of things. I'm just, is there, what have you been doing during quarantine? Because you've answered all my questions that I really wanted to ask around around the fight and then the UFC. But what have you been doing quor- throughout quarantine to keep yourself occupied? Uh, these last two weeks, I've been dying. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been killing me because all through the coronavirus and the quarantine, like I said, we have a unique situation at Dean's house right now where we have, it's just, only like three or four fighters and then Dean. So we all, we just have a small group of people to work with. So we've been able to work through the whole pandemic until last week, uh, Dean was trying to fly to Fight Island and got tested positive for coronavirus on his way there. Oh, wow. So uh, after that positive test, just because I was in contact with him uh, like two days before, they asked me to quarantine for 14 days. And uh yeah, it's been killing me. I've been going for a run and shadow boxing, but like that's the most I've moved, and it's just it's frustrating. I bet you can't wait to get back to the gym on Monday. Oh, that's all I'm waiting for. And yeah, that's, like I said, we possibly have fight news, so fight camp starts then, and then we go into overdrive. That's fine. And how long will fight camp be for yourself? I can't really talk about that at the moment. Oh, right. Sorry. Okay. I can't release a date, but yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we're getting started and we're going to be ready when it comes. How long would you usually take for a fight camp? I, I guess it really depends whenever I get the notice from just the UFC. Yeah, you, I, stay, I stay training constantly. I was just yeah, going to say, are you one of those competitors who stays in constantly so you're ready just to go when, when it needs to go? Yeah, I'm waiting for the call constantly. So I'm always in the gym year round. And uh, yeah, whenever I get it, I'm ready. It's it's honestly nice to have a short, my perfect fight camp is like four weeks. I like four. that, like this short. And like I said, I'm usually ready. And that just gives yeah, me enough time to really get into that fight shape where I can really push the pace and get my cardio up. No. Uh, but yeah, four weeks is a perfect time uh, line for me. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, Jillian, thank you so much for, for come, taking time out of your day and coming on to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast today. It's an absolute honor to have you on the, on the show. 
Oh, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Oh, you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. Hope you've enjoyed the show and we'll see you soon. Stay safe.